0: Xanadu did Kubla Khan, a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf the sacred river ran, through caverns measureless to man, down to a sunless sea. So twice five miles of fertile ground, with walls and towers, were gilded round, and there were gardens bright with sinuous rills, where blossomed many an incense-bearing tree, and here were forests, ancient as the hills, enfolding sunny spots of greenery. The Little Romantic Poetry From my trusty, pocket-sized book always in my back pocket when I take these hikes, Kubla Khan, or A Vision in a Dream, A Fragment by Samuel Taylor Coleridge He was one of the founders of the romantic movement in England. Ah, romance. No, no, not that kind of romance, not Valentine's Day romantic, like kissing and hugging and falling in love between two people. I'm speaking of the romantic movement, a cultural and artistic movement where artists of all kinds, painters, poets, musicians... And yes, writers like Hans Christian Andersen were celebrating and emphasizing the individual imagination, the beauty and power of wild nature. The feeling that through nature is the only way to true beauty, to true glory. So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Whenever and wherever in the realms of romantic, beautiful, mystical time and space, my voice finds you. My name is Aaron James. You are listening to Kids Myth Plus episode 26. Thank you so much all of you around the world for joining us. And a special thank you to listener Eloise and her family for suggesting that we dive into this fabulous tale by Hans Christian Andersen. If any of you out there have a story you think would be great for us to share, please do reach out. Today's episode is the second in a series bringing you the romantic era classic penned by Hans Christian Andersen, The Snow Queen. The romantics were interested in the experience of and power of beauty. The romantics valued sensual experience over the experiences of thinking and intellect, reason and logic, the heart over the mind. Hans Christian Andersen's masterwork, The Snow Queen, first published in the winter of 1844 is a perfect example of romantic era art. Like this river I sit by and take in the world around me, or like the river described in Samuel Coleridge's poem, The romantics will look at the river and feel the power, the timeless, unstoppable force of nature ever moving, changing, and slowly carving through the earth anew. Take a look at the Grand Canyon. Standing on the edge, peering over, or even just looking at an image of it, a river created this marvel of natural wonder and beauty. A river. The Snow Queen is written in seven stories. In part one of our series, we presented the first two stories. Story one, about the mirror and its pieces, where we learned of the terrible invention of a wicked goblin. Then story two, a little boy and a little girl, where we were introduced to two friends, and one of them is spirited away by the icy Snow Queen herself. If you haven't listened to episode 25 of Kids Myth Plus, or even if you want to refresh your memory a bit, go back now and listen to episode 25. Today, we present story three of the seven parts. The Garden of the Woman Who Knew Magic. Listen for some examples of the romantic spirit in this story, of love for the power of nature, the connection with the natural world and spirituality, Magic and things not easily explained by reason and science alone. And of course, enjoy the story. Story 3. The Flower Garden of the Woman Who Knew Magic How was little Gerda getting on this long time since Kay had left her? Where could he be? Nobody knew. Nobody could say anything about him. All that the other boys knew was that they had seen him tie his little sled to the splendid big one, which drove away down the street and out the town gates. Nobody knew where he was, and many tears were shed. Little Gerda cried long and bitterly. At last people said he was dead. He must have fallen into the river, which ran close by the town. Oh, what long, dark winter days those were. At last, the spring came and the sunshine. Kay is dead and gone, said little Gerda. I don't believe it, said the sunshine. He is dead and gone, she said to the swallows. We don't believe it, said the swallows. And at last, little Gerda didn't believe it either. I will put on my new red shoes, she said one morning. Those Kay never saw, and then I will go down to the river and ask it about him. It was very early in the morning. She kissed the old grandmother, who was still asleep, put on her red shoes and went quite alone out the gate to the river. Is it true that you have taken my friend Kay? I will give to you my most beloved red shoes, if you would only return him. The little ripples in the river seemed to nod to her in such a way as if the river were answering her. So she took off her red shoes, her most cherished possessions, and threw them both into the river. They fell close by the shore and were carried straight back to her by the little wavelets. It seemed as if the river would not accept her offering, as it had not taken little Kay. She only thought she had not thrown them far enough. So she climbed into a small boat that lay near the edge of the river among the reeds and rushes growing there. She went right out to the further end of the little boat and threw the shoes into the water again. But the boat was loose, and her movements started it off into the river. The little boat floated away from the shore. She felt it moving and tried to get out, but before she reached the other end, the boat was more than a yard from the shore and was floating away quite quickly. Little Gerda was terribly frightened and began to cry out. But nobody heard her, except the sparrows, and they couldn't carry her ashore, but they flew alongside, twittering as if to cheer her. We are here, we are here. The little boat floated rapidly away with the current. Little Gerda sat quite still with only her stockings. Her little red shoes floated behind, but they could not catch up to the boat, which drifted away faster and faster. The banks on both sides of the river were pretty with beautiful flowers, fine old trees, and slopes dotted with sheep and cattle, but not a single person. Perhaps the river is taking me to Kay, thought Gerda, and that cheered her. She sat up and looked at the beautiful green banks for hours as they passed. Then they came to a big cherry garden. There was a little house in it with curious blue and red windows. It had a thatched roof and two wooden soldiers stood outside who presented arms as she sailed past. Gerda called out to them. She thought they were alive, but of course they did not answer. She was quite close to them for the current had drove the boat close to the bank. Gerda called out again, louder than before. And then an old, old woman came out of the house. She was leaning upon a big, hooked stick. She wore a big sun hat, which was covered with beautiful painted flowers. You poor little child, said the old woman. How ever were you driven out on this big, strong river into the wide, wide world alone? Then she walked right into the water and caught hold of the boat with her hooked stick. She drew it ashore and lifted little Gerda out. Gerda was delighted to be on dry land again, but she was a little bit frightened of the strange old woman. Come, tell me who you are and how you got here, she said. When Gerda had told her the whole story and asked her if she had seen Kay, the woman said she had not seen him, but that she expected him, and that Gerda must not be sad she was to come and taste her cherries and see her flowers which were more beautiful than any picture book, each one with a story to tell. Then she took Gerda by the hand. They went into the little house, and the old woman locked the door behind them. The windows were very high up on the walls, and they were tinted red, blue, and yellow. They threw a brilliant and very curious light into the room, On the table were bowls full of the most delicious cherries, of which Gerda was allowed to eat as many as she liked. While she was eating, the old woman combed her hair with a golden comb. The hair curled and shone like gold round the pretty little face, which was as sweet as a rose. "'I have long wanted a little girl like you,' said the old woman. "'You and I will get on splendidly together.' While she combed her hair, Gerda had forgotten all about Kay, for the old woman was learned in the magical arts. But she was not a bad witch. She only cast spells over people for a little amusement, and she wanted to keep Gerda. She therefore went into the garden and waved her hooked stick over all the rich black earth without leaving a trace behind them. The old woman was afraid that if Gerda saw the roses, she would be reminded of Kay and would want to run away. Then she took Gerda into the flower garden. What a delicious scent there was! And every imaginable flower for every season was in that lovely garden. No picture book could be brighter or more beautiful. Gerda jumped for joy and played till the sun went down behind the tall cherry trees. Then she was put into a lovely bed with rose-colored silken coverings stuffed with violets. She slept and dreamed the most lovely of dreams. Dreams as any queen on her wedding day might have. The next day she played with the flowers in the garden again, and many days passed in the sun the same way. Gerda knew every flower, but however many there were, she always thought there was one missing, but which it was she didn't know. One day she was sitting looking at the old woman's sun hat with its painted flowers and the very prettiest one of them all was a rose. The old woman had forgotten the roses painted on her hat when she had charmed the others away with her magic. This is the consequence of being absent-minded. What? said Gerda. Are there no roses here? And she sprang in among the flower beds and searched. But alas, her search was in vain warm tears welled up in her eyes and ran down her rosy cheeks and when the warm drops moistened the earth the rose trees shot up again just as full of bloom as when they sank gerda embraced the roses and kissed them and then she thought of the lovely roses at home and this brought back the memory of little Kay oh how i have become delayed what has happened to me how long have i been entranced here said the little girl i should have been looking for Kay. don't you know where he is she asked the roses do you think he's dead and gone forever he is not dead for we roses have been under the earth where the dead reside and your Kay is not there oh thank you said little gerda And then she went to the other flowers and looked into their cups and said, Do you know where Kay is? But each flower stood in the sun and dreamt its own dreams. Little Gerda heard many of these, but never anything about Kay. And what? said the tiger lily. Listen, do you hear the drum? Tap, tap. There are only two notes, always tap, tap. Listen to the woman's song of mourning. Hear the cry of the priests. In her long red robe stands the Hindu widow by the funeral pyre. The flames rise around her as she places herself on the deceased body of her husband. The woman is only thinking of the living one in that circle, of him, her son, who lighted those flames. Those shining eyes trouble her heart more painfully than the flames which will soon consume her body to ashes. Can the fire of the heart be extinguished in the flames of the funeral pile? I don't understand a word you've said, said little Gerda. That is my story, said the tiger lily. What does the convolvulus say? An old castle was perched high over a narrow mountain path. It is closely covered with ivy almost hiding the old red walls and creeping up leaf after leaf right around the balcony where stands a beautiful maiden she bends over the railing and looks eagerly up the road no rose on its stems fresher than she no apple blossom wafted by the wind moves more lightly her silken robes rustle softly as she bends over and says Will he never come? Is it Kay, you mean? Asks Gerda. I am only talking about my own story. My dream, answered the convolvulus. What say you, Snowdrop? Between two trees, a rope with a board is hanging. It is a swing. Two pretty little girls in snowy frocks and green ribbons fluttering on their hats are seated on it. Their brother, who is bigger than they are, stands up behind them. He has his arms around the ropes for supports and holds in one hand a little bowl and in the other a clay pipe. He is blowing soap bubbles. As the swing moves, the bubbles float upwards in all their changing colors. The last one still hangs on from the pipe, swayed by the wind, and the swing goes up and a little black dog runs up. He's almost as light as the bubbles. He stands up on his hind legs and wants to be taken into the swing. But the swing does not stop. The little dog falls with an angry bark. They jeer at it. The bubbles burst. A swinging plank, a fluttering foam picture. This is my story. What saith the hyacinth? They were three beautiful sisters, all most delicate and quite transparent. One wore a crimson robe, the other a blue, and the third was pure white. These three danced hand in hand by the edge of the lake in the moonlight. They were human beings, not fairies of the woods. The fragrant air attracted them, and they vanished into the woods. Here the fragrance was still stronger. Three coffins glide out of the woods toward the lake and in them lie the maidens. The fireflies flutter lightly around them with their little flickering torches. Do these dancing maidens sleep or are they dead? The scent of the flower says they are corpses The evening bell tolls their knell. You make me quite sad, said little Gerda. Your perfume is so strong it makes me think of those dead maidens. Oh, is my friend Kay really dead? The roses have been underground and they say no. Ding dong, told the hyacinth bells. We are not tolling for little Kay. We know nothing of him. We sing our song, the only one we know. And Gerda went on to the buttercups, shining among the dark green leaves of the forest. You are a bright little sun, said Gerda. Tell me if you know where I shall find my friend. The buttercup shone brightly and returned Gerda's glance. What song could the buttercup sing? It would not be about Kay. God's bright sun shone into a little court on the first day of spring. The sunbeams cascaded down the neighboring white wall, close to which bloomed the first yellow flower of the season. It shone like burnished gold in the sun. An old woman had brought her armchair out into the sun, her granddaughter, a poor and pretty little maid servant had come to pay her a short visit, and she kissed her. There was gold, heart's gold in the kiss, gold on the lips, gold on the ground, and gold above in the early morning sunbeams. Now that is my little story, said the buttercup. Oh, my poor grandmother, sighed Gerda. She must be missing me so She will be longing to see me and grieving about me just as she did about Kay. But I shall soon go home again and bring Kay with me. It is useless for me to talk to these flowers about him. They only know their own stories and have no information for me. Then she tucked up her little dress so that she might run even faster. But the Narcissus Blossoms struck her on the legs as she jumped over them. So she stopped and said, Perhaps you can tell me something. She stooped down close to the flower, placing her ear near it, and listened. What did it say? I can see myself. I can see myself, said the narcissist. Oh, how sweet is my scent. Up there in an attic window stands a little dancing girl, half-dressed, First, she stands on one leg, then on the other, and looks as if she would tread the whole world under her feet. She is only a delusion. She pours some water out of a teapot onto a bit of stuff that she is holding. It is her dress. Cleanliness is a good thing, she says. Her white dress hangs on a hook. It has been washed in the teapot and dried on the roof. She puts it on and wraps a saffron-colored scarf around her neck, which makes the dress look even whiter. See how high she carries her head? And all upon a stem, I see myself. I see myself. I don't care a bit about all of that, said Gerda. Your story is of no use to me. And then she ran to the end of the garden. The door was fastened closed but she pressed the rusty latch and it gave way. The garden door sprang open and little Gerda ran out with bare feet into the wide world. As she ran, she looked back three times, but nobody chased after her. Finally, when she could run no further, she sat herself down on a big stone. When she looked around, she realized that summer was over. It was quite late autumn. She would never have known it inside the beautiful enchanted garden. In that enchanted garden, the sun always shone, and the flowers of every season were always in bloom. Oh, how I have wasted my time, said little Kerida. It is autumn. I must not rest any longer and she got herself up and continued on her way oh how tired and sore her little feet were and everything around her looked so cold and dreary the long willow leaves were quite yellow the damp mist fell off the trees like rain one leaf dropped after another from the trees and only the slow thorn still bore its fruit. But the slows were sour and set one's teeth on edge. Oh, how gray and sad it looked out in the wide, wide world. Well, there's no use talking to the flowers, is there? They only know their own stories. First you go through terrible things, then you get famous. This is a quote from Hans Christian Andersen. He was born the son of a shoemaker in Denmark and ended his earthly life famous and the friend of kings and queens. He was said to have been a quiet child, spent much time down by the Odensir River giving his imagination free reign. He said that sometimes as a child, he would walk with his eyes closed for as far as he could just listening and feeling. He said in a letter writing to a poet friend, I believe that I have now found out how to write fairy tales. Now I tell stories out of my own heart. I have plenty of material. It often seems that every flower says, look at me, look at me. Did you hear some examples of romanticism in this story number three? Gerda thought with her rational, logical mind, Kay must be dead and gone. But she listened to wild nature, the sunshine, the swallows. They convinced her he was alive. She headed for the river and offered her most prized possession, her little red shoes. The river was the mystical entry point for Gerda to set off into wild nature on her quest, her quest to rescue Kay. She passes through beautiful and peaceful landscapes, not a person to be seen. She has left the civilized world of towns and cities and buildings and people, finally reaching the garden of the woman who knew magic. The woman pulls her from the river with her twisted, hooked cane and proceeds to entrance little Gerda with enchanted fruit and ever-blooming flowers. The woman who knew magic, a witch, a Baba Yaga maybe, what does she symbolize? She tells Gerda to enjoy the flowers of her garden and her cherries more beautiful than any picture book. The garden of flowers that speak to Gerda but tell only their own stories. What is that all about? Hmm... Such a rich and colorful story. Our telling is adapted from the book published first in 1911, titled Stories from Hans Christian Andersen, with enchanting illustrations by Edmund Dulac. Thank you so much for listening. Please do follow us on Instagram, reach out, and find us at Kids Myth Plus. Give us your suggestions for future stories and leave us a review. Tell us what you think of the stories. This has been Kids Myth Plus, episode 26. And remember, keep your senses open. Listen to the sounds of nature, to the river, to the birds. Use your eyes and your hearts and gaze at the stars. Listen to what the flowers have to say to you, even if it is only their stories that they have to tell.